Once again, happy Sabbath. happy Sabbath. We thank God for his day. Do you realize that this weekly convocation that we have is a gift of God? Because without it, we would be lost. We would be uh, uh, on a, a ship without a compass. We would, we, no, these days, I'm sorry. You'd be in a car without a GPS. Most of us now who used to be great navigators when we were younger, because we had books and we had maps and we knew what color the tree was to turn from. And, and we remembered the, the old, old restaurant that you turn right. And, and I remember going to Atlanta and without, of course, this is years ago, without GPSs and all that. And, and you'd go down Highway 78 and when you get close to Birmingham, you, at the Texaco, you make a right. Huh. Well, I not know what the street was called, but at the Texaco, you made a right. And you made a right, and you went all the way down, and then you ran into Highway 20, and you were on your way to Atlanta. See, we have forgotten the old ways. Amen? But one time, you're going to hit that GPS, and that satellite's going to be out. So pay attention where you're going. Amen? But the Sabbath helps us to stay on course. And so we never get too far away from God, do we? We have a rough week, or we have a week without God, and, and things are falling apart. That Sabbath comes in like the greatest gift you've ever gotten. It says, oh, get back home, son. And that's what happens to us. So we thank God for it. Amen? Amen? I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. God shared something with us that was just incredible this morning, like anything he doesn't do. And he always is incredible. But Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. We touched on this a little bit Wednesday night, but he said, I need you to go ahead and finish that one. He said, you didn't finish it. I said, well, Lord, all right. So we're going to look at this today. And those who joined us Wednesday night, we were talking about the, the, the great power of his law, the great power that's found in his commandment. And, 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 and but what we're looking at today is what makes this thing so powerful and why we don't use it, why we don't use this particular weapon of our warfare. We need to use this often, and we need to understand that it takes some time with God to understand what, this he, what his word talks about. And be able to use it, what? Uh, use it intelligently against the enemy that we have. Okay? We ready? We're in chapter 6 of Ephesians, and we're going to go to verse 17. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the what? The sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Now, when you think of sword, you think of warfare. You think of weapon. You think of something good to have if somebody's coming at you. Now, I know we're not really into swords these days, but, but it's a weapon, an effective weapon. And when this was written, it was the most effective weapon. He said, it is the sword of the Spirit. And he told us what the sword of the Spirit was. It is the Word of God. He said, this is one of the weapons that you have in this warfare. Because remember, our warfare is spiritual. And so the Spirit even uses the Word of God, doesn't it? This is, it, it's in his hand. This is what, the, if, he, if the Holy Spirit had a hand, what would be in his hand would be the word of God. Amen? Now, now, because of that, we need to take this into account. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's, let's look at this because we are going to learn how to use this sword. Because we are always in this warfare. And we always are going to have a weapon. And this is a great weapon. What does a sword do? A sword keeps things off you. Doesn't it? That's close to you. Don't, nothing gets too close to you when you have a sword. Okay, none of you have had a sword. Okay, let's see. What do we have that we can compare? All right. Um, no, well, that's not guns. Guns you can shoot far away. Okay. But we're trying to, you want something to get off of you. Not necessarily, uh, you ain't trying to shoot people, but you need something to get, it's like a good jab. Okay. I know some of y'all have been in fights. You know, you, you got a good jab. It keeps people from being too close to you, right? You know, every time they come close, what do you do? You tap them. You ever seen, like, a, a, what's a, Ali had a great jab. You didn't get close to Ali. You try to get all close to him, and he just tap, 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 and, you know, and, and, and you'll just back up. Well, this is what the sword does for us. It keeps things off of us, and it glitters, and it glistens, and it, the, your enemy knows you have it. And when you start doing this, he's not going to run up on you. And this is called the word of God. And we need to learn how to use this word of God as we fight this enemy. Second Timothy chapter three. You got to keep the enemy off you. We let him, we get in the bed with him. 
He get all under us and in our, he, I mean, he can wear our suits. That's how close the enemy is because we won't use what? The sword. Now, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and, and, and Timothy was being taught by the elder brother, and in verse 15, he said, and that from a child thou hast known the what? The Holy Scriptures. Now, the Scriptures are defined as this, the written word of God. God's got a whole lot of word he didn't write down. I want y'all to know that. So don't be all bent out of shape because, well, he didn't tell me everything. God, you, you can't hold everything. But he left us the Scriptures. And he was telling Timothy, he said, from the child you've known these scriptures, right? Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, yes, I know where your mind went. You said, if I memorize these things, I'll know what to do. That's not it. That can't make you wise. That'll make you knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Oh, but it won't make you wise. Now, it'll make you educated, but it won't make you wise. But it also won't activate something. And we're going to talk about this activation. But he said, it, it, but it's able, to, and you're going to see how it can make you wise. And verse 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Here, here's a hint where we're going today. It's given by inspiration of God. All scripture, so all written record that God has shared with us in his holy word is given by inspiration of God, not by the mind of a man. These men were flawed. These men were, were human. And they would tell you, David would tell you, man, I ain't worth a quarter, but I wrote this down because he told me to write it down. So the, the earthen vessel did not keep the power of God from being transcribed. Please remember that. So when people come up to you and say, well, you know King James was this, or you know David was this, or this, hey, amen, God used these sinful men to write down his holy word. And they didn't, and Isaiah will tell you in a minute, thus saith the Lord. Amen. And so we don't have to get caught up into what the personalities were in the Bible. They were different types of people. Uh, uh, king, uh, uh, not King, Samson was a terrible person. I don't know anything about him. Well, <laughs> Samson left home, wanted to marry some lady that wasn't, he wasn't, shouldn't have married, and he, he got with her, and he wasn't supposed to get with her, and he caught, I mean, all kind of stuff happened, but God used that vessel, didn't he? Amen. So we can have hope today, but also we can stop arguing about who was who. And, and, and if I hear one more person tell me, well, King James did this, you know, as if King James had a pen in his hand. He had nothing to do with it. He, I'm king. It came unto me. Go on, do that. All right, y'all good? All right. Sign off on it. That was about it. So let's get past that, okay? Because God says all scripture was given by inspiration of God. And, and because it was by inspiration of God, it is profitable. You like profit, right? For, for doctrine and for reproof. We don't too much like that. For correction, amen, for instruction in righteousness, and for this purpose, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto what? All good works. Our mission on earth was your good works should show the God that's in heaven, the Father that's in heaven. You can't do good works as defined by heaven without being inspired, without listening to the inspired word of God and acting upon the inspired word of God. Amen? So we're okay. That's the hint. We're going today. What is so special about this word? What's so special about it? Because it does things that no other words do. And it's not because it's, you know, mumbo jumbo, hocus pocus. It's not some combination of things and, oh, if you put this word before this word, then no. It's what's behind the word. Why are these words so powerful? Let's go to John 14. Because the word and is used by most people. The word life is used by most people. Uh, the word uh, rise is, you know, people who bake, you know, hope my cake rises. So the word rise is just a word. But when somebody speaks that word, people rise from the dead. So what's so powerful about this word? Let's go to John, chapter 14. John 14, and we're going to read verse 10. John chapter 14, 
And we're going to read verse 10. It says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Now, who was speaking here? Jesus. He said, The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. So, okay, here we go. We're about to narrow this thing down. He, did Christ use words? He didn't even use English. Oh, my. So it had nothing to do with the language, did it? He said, but I'm, the Father's in me, and I'm in the Father, and the words that I speak unto you did not come from me. I was not the originator of these words. They came from the Father. And because they came from the Father, watch what these words are. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth what? So, so first of all, we see that the words that Christ used were not his words. Let, that's what he said, Lord. They're not his words. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Even Christ didn't have a word. But Christ's words worked. Now, if they're from the Father, how do the words get to us? Now, let's keep reading. John chapter 6. See, we got to know if Christ didn't use his own words, should we use ours and expect something to happen? Now, we might have conversations with people, right? If, you, if you're trying to get something supernatural to happen, I would suggest you not use your words. If you need to get that demon off you, don't sit here and pontificate with it. Well, I philosophize that you need to, to... No, no, actually, your point is not valid, Satan. It'd be over. His sword will cut you asunder. When you face the enemy, stop using your words. Stop using your position because it will not get the enemy off of you. Matter of fact, it will attract the enemy. And he'll say, I got another one. Look at that idiot thinking he can fight me with his philosophy. He said, I taught him. John chapter 6. Here is these words. John chapter 6 and verse 63. John 6 and verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Now look at this. This is Christ talking, and this is why he could say this, because these were his father's words. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are what? They are what? Okay, we're going to get everybody to say this. They are what? See, we're going to get you all to start speaking the word of God, because when you speak the word of God, things happen. And if you're not used to speaking the word of God, nothing is going to happen for you. You live in a time that we're going to need some things to happen to for us. So we need to get into the, the, the language of God. Amen. And he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. life. The, how can words be life? See, when Christ walked in a room, his words showed it was life. Dead people will be places, sick people, sick people who are dying. Christ walks in, life comes out. Because they were, the words that he used were from his father, and they were spirit. Do we have the same, the chance for the same connection? Yes. The spirit and the life can come through the words that we use, because they're not our words. Isn't that wonderful? You can't learn this in a book. You have to be inspired to do this. And that's what the spirit is for. Amen? Amen. Now, if you understand that the words are spirit, Stuff start making sense now. Go to Matthew 8. Stuff will start making sense now. How in the world could a centurion make a statement about life and all he had was a word? How could a word do these things? Now look at this. This centurion, brilliant person. Brilliant and he knew things that the church didn't know. And look at what he did. The centurion, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew 8. Let's finish it, son. Matthew 8, verse 8. Sometimes I get so excited. I, I just love to hear what he has to say. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 8. We there? Amen. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Okay? He knew who he was. And he knew who Christ was. And he said, eh, you know, I don't know if my house could take it. The walls might fall down if you walk in. He said, I'm, I'm not worthy. He said, he understood. He submitted. He said, you are the greater authority. And this was hard for a Roman and for a, a perceived Jew. 
That was not how that worked, but he understood the, 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 the essence of God. He said, that's, that's the Christ, man. I'm not worthy for, to even be in your presence. But then he's made a statement that caused Christ to know what this man understood, and it should cause us to understand the essence of the word of God. He said, but what? Speak the word only, and my servant will be what? Because the word is what? Gives life. The word is spirit. The word gives life. He understood that. A Roman centurion understood that. Now, he broke it down even further. Let's look at this. Because we talked about this a little bit last week, about the jurisdiction of the devil's kingdom. And, and he said, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. Now, this doesn't seem like this has anything to do with speaking the word, but it has everything to do with it. He said, for I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. That told Christ, this man understood the nature of our warfare. You see how that is? He said, I know your word commands things to happen, because my word on this earth commands things to happen. I have a servant. He said, you are so powerful, you command life and spirits. I know that, so speak the word only. And he said, I, 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 this is so wonderful. I've seen it. And we'll look at it. And when Jesus heard it, verse 10, he marveled and said to him, to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith. Nowhere. Not in the church. He understood, this interior understood the nature of the warfare. It was spiritual. He knew there was jurisdictions in this warfare, but he knew this was the magistrate. This was the king. This was the one that says, go, and everything goes. He understood that. He understood that sickness was nothing but a spirit, and he said, if you would just speak the word only, that that demon is going to have to leave that person. He understood that. We don't. That's why the word of God is so powerful. That's why the word of God can get that demon off of you can get you separated from that attack that you're under because you just speak the word only. Amen. And it's, okay, maybe, maybe, okay. Woo. Uh, see, the word is more than words on a piece of paper. You know, you, the, the, the movies have us a little deceived. You know, back in the 70s, I, I don't know what they do now. They probably don't. Uh, but like in the book, the movies like the Exodus and Exodus, I'm sorry, Exorcist <laughs> and Omen and Damien one, two and three or whatever the movies they had out. You would see a man walking in with a Bible, you know, with a, with a, with a uh, uh, rosary around his neck and a cross. And they walk in and hold the Bible up in the name of Jesus. You can hold that book up all you want to. You'll get shot. <laughs> They'll put a bullet right through that page. <laughs> it's not the words on the page, people. It's the word from the Father that has the power. He made sure we had words to look at. He called it the, script, the scripture. That's where the power is. It's what's behind those words. And it's the faith that brings those words to life. Don't say, I'm going go to the, uh, go to the hospital later, my Bible on my grandmama's head, and she's going to be healed. <laughs> I've seen people do that. <laughs> it don't work. Why? Because the power is in the word, not on the page. Amen? Amen? We got to understand that. It's more than ink on a paper. It is power, it is spirit, and it is life. And if we start speaking this stuff over our issues, we will find we will be delivered from the enemy. Amen? Go back to Matthew 4. Jesus gave us this perfect example. Perfect example. He said in Matthew 4, we know Matthew 4. What is Matthew 4 known for? Okay, the temptations of Christ. The temptations of Christ. Matthew chapter 4. And watch what he did. Watch what he, remember everything he did was instructed, the instructions from his father was for us to do this. It was for our learning. He said, I'm going to do the things you all need to do so there'll be no issue. You won't have an excuse or not necessarily not an excuse. No, Jay. We won't have an excuse, but he said, you'll have the tool. I will show you how to use the tool. Wasn't that wonderful that he came down and did that for us? But Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. When the tempter came to him, who was the tempter? He said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. 
Now, first thing you got to pay attention to, stop doubting God. If God said it, it is. This is right after God had come down and said, that's my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. So if it has nothing to do with it. But that's what the devil does. He plants doubt. What happens is doubt leads into deception, which always ends in death. Stop doubting God. Amen? So, verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written. He, he took his sword out and pointed at him. It is written. Picture that. Jesus pulled his sword out and said, it is written. Because he knew who was talking to him. This was the battle. And Ephesians said, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Watch what, watch what, watch why this effective this is. He said, uh, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, okay, strike one. You came at me, I pulled out my sword. Now, you know how he could pull out that sword? It was in him. It was in him. He read it. He knew it. And we read in Timothy, from a little child, he knew the Holy Scriptures. Oh, we got some catching up to do, don't we? Because all he did, he just quoted Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy, chapter 8. He just quoted Deuteronomy. He understood Deuteronomy because it was the Scripture. And he said, you know what? The Holy Scriptures are for reproof and for doctrine and instruction in righteousness. He said, I can get this, this demon off of me by using the sword. And Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, it says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. Now, this was right after what? Jesus was hungry. You know, he quoted this because that was on his mind. He had humanity. He had been hungry, hadn't he? So this scripture was on his mind. He said, yeah, you know, I remember back then. <laughs> they were hungry. He said, he suffered thee to hunger. But he fed them with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that, that he might make thee know something, that man doth not live by what? Bread alone. Only, I'm sorry. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, of the Lord, doth man live. He just used the sword. How many people knew that was a scripture that he quoted? That's fine. Know it. Start letting this stuff live in you so you don't have to. Hold on, devil. Uh, hold on. Hold on, let me get my promise book out. Uh, uh, this ought to live in you. It was so much in Christ. Christ was like, okay, what else you got? And I, I, I love this account because Christ said, what else you got, man? Let's go to Matthew, back in Matthew chapter 4. He said, come on. Okay, come on. What else you got? He said, son, and I could really just zap you out of existence right now, but I am here to represent a, a way that my followers can follow. Father ain't going to do that. He said, I got, I got you to do this. I need, I need to go through this process so my people until 2016 will know how to deal with you. And the devil thought he had him. And the devil just doesn't understand that everything God does helps us. And the devil tries to come in with a trick, and he'll turn the trick on it. He's, oh, man, you're trying to kill me, and I just showed the universe the salvation of God. You tried to tempt me, and I just showed my people a way out. See, all of his little tricks all fall flat because he is infinitely farther along than Lucifer, I mean, Satan is. Now, Matthew 4, let's go back to uh, Matthew 4. Verse 6 said, and saith unto him, if thou be the son, once again, what's the first thing he tries to plant into our minds? Doubt. Doubt. He said, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, least what? At any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, what? It is written. It is written. Here's my sword again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He said, man, what's wrong with you? Now, let's go to Isaiah and find out why Christ decided to tell him this. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. Because Satan was trying to get him to do what? To prove to him. He was trying to get him to have an act or give me a sign that you, because, uh, you know, hey, it's written. If you really that, then jump off this mountain. 
Well, suicide is never a good idea, and God is never going to have you to commit suicide. But he was trying to get him to give him a sign, right? Now, oh, yeah, he goes to say, okay, it's written, fine. I got that written thing. But in your book, in that book, it says this. Give me a sign. He said, okay. Christ said, Isaiah chapter 7. He said, I want you to show you something. We have to re read into Christ. Let, let the Holy Spirit tell us what Christ actually did. Every temptation he went under, there was a reason for his response. And, and, and in Isaiah chapter 7, let's start at verse 11. His old Ahaz, and he was having this conversation with Israel. And in verse 11 in, 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 of Isaiah 7, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will, will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Then he 14, the 14 said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. What? Emmanuel. A sign had already been given to Satan. There was no need for another sign. There was no need for another miracle. There was no need any more proof. He said, man, you're trying to give, let me give you a sign. Here is the sign. I am the son of God and I already gave you a sign. I was born of a virgin and my name is Emmanuel. You saw the sign at the River Jordan when he said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. I don't need to give you another sign, amen? amen? And so we can't tempt God trying to get him to prove a point to us. He said, I've already proven the point. So don't let Satan come, well, if God does this for you, I guess he's God, no. He said, God, I've given you all the points you need. I've given you all the testimony you need. Don't tell me to do something for you and tempt me. Amen. We get that? Does it make a little sense? Okay, let's go back to Matthew 4. We're not done yet. <laughs> Matter of fact, we just get, well, Father, we, all right, Matthew chapter 4. We want to understand how God, I mean, Jesus used the sword of the Spirit the way we use, can use the sword of the Spirit and the effective nature of this Spirit, of this Word. Amen? Matthew 4, starting in verse 9. Matthew 4 and verse 9. And saith unto him, all these things. Now, what were these things? All the kingdoms of the world, the, 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 all, and the glory thereof. You know, stuff we're trying to get. The kingdom of this world and the glory of it, right? He said, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, what's one great thing about this process? If you ever hang through the first two, you'll get to this one. Because that's the trump card. That's what Satan is always trying to play. That's the whole thing. The whole purpose of the, the, these temptations was to get him to worship him, to get him to get off the doctrine, get off the script, get off the, what God had told him, come out of his God, the Father's word, and to get into your word. He said, look, he got through the first. Eve and Adam didn't make it out of the first one because they believed they doubted God. And don't ever forget that. They doubted God. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They doubted them. You know, because just look at the response. What did she say? He said, well, he said. You ever run into somebody like that? Is that really true? Well, he said it. <laughs> Meaning that, you know, I'm going to go along with it, but, you know, it ain't really what I want to believe, you know. And, that, yeah, you know, he said it. You know, it is written, he said it. Well, that attitude will get you in trouble. Because doubt is set in. And how long did it take for doubt to reach its ultimate goal? Half a chapter. Doubt, deception, death. When you start doubting God and doubting his promises, you will always fall. You will always fall. Because the promise is his word. And in that word is his spirit. And in that spirit is his life. Amen? Amen? Matthew 4, let's go to verse 4. Now he said, look, uh, worship me, verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now I wonder where he got that from. We don't have to turn to it, but you just, when you get a chance, go to Deuteronomy 5, you can go to Exodus chapter 20, or you can go to several places. He says, uh, 
Don't worship nobody else. I am the Lord thy God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have what? No other gods before me. Now, verse 11 is critical in our Christian walk. Now, we see how he used the sword of the Spirit. We see how he got the demon off of him. With the, what? With it is written. With the life spirit. With the life words. And he said, but 11, uh, we, we, we've got to understand this and we've got to believe this because of verse 11 said, then the devil leaveth him. Wasn't that the point of the sword? And not, let's not stop there. And behold, angels did what? Came and ministered unto him. What else you want? The sword of the spirit did its job. It kept him off of you, right? And it was your defense. And the devil had to leave. See, we don't believe that. Because we'll stop at two scriptures. Devil come and you'll quote a scripture. <clears throat> devil come, you quote another scripture. Well, you, he's not a punk. I mean, you know, you're going to have to fight him. And you're going to have to let the life spirit fight him. You've got to stay in that. Just because it didn't happen instantaneously didn't mean it's not happening. It's like health, health, uh, natural health. Just because it, oh, I'm still hurting, doesn't mean it's not starting to happen. Christ said, look, the devil will leave you. You've got to resist the devil. He'll flee. But then what happens is angels will come and minister to you. Whew, isn't that wonderful? Okay, it's wonderful, okay? So when you catch up with this, it's wonderful. You got the devil off of you by using what Christ used, the power in that word, then the devil left you and God came to comfort you. All right, speak the word only. Speak the word. Start turn the book of Psalm. Psalm, Psalm. Book of Psalm 121. When you need help in your life, speak the word only. When you need help in your life, when, when things aren't going right and you can't find anybody to help you, when your whole environment is against you and you don't think anybody's reaching out a hand and it's too much pressure, there's too much work to do, there's too many things to do, use the sword of the Spirit and go to Psalm 121. And say, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. From what? Whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I want you to say that when help is, can't be found. Say it. Stand up and say it wherever you are. Go ahead and read it out loud. I don't care if people look at you crazy. You know, because when you speak the word, it's something different than I'm going to imagine it. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to say it out loud. Because the devil's saying his words out loud, isn't he? Every time you turn the radio on, he's got some loud, some music on, doesn't he? Every time you turn the, 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 the political race on, he's, he's talking out loud, isn't he? They got talking heads on the television. Everybody's talking out loud, but, but the people who say they believe in Jesus. Verse 7 says, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Say it out loud when you feel like you're drowning. And he said, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and, from, and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. And when you start talking like that, you'll start believing it. And you'll start opening the gates of heaven. You'll start opening that power that comes with the word of God. And all of a sudden, you'll, you'll find out that the devil left you. And then what happens after the devil leaves? Angels come. And that's what you need in the first place. You said you needed help, right? So the angels come now and they help you. But when you're down and out and you don't think anything's working and you can't find anybody to help you, you start letting that demon of discouragement lean on you. How do you get a demon off of you? By the word. By the prayer. You praise your way out of it. Because this is a praise statement here. I will lift up my eyes into the hills, which come with my help, my help coming from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Get off me. <laughs> well, don't say get off me. It's not written. You might mess it up. <laughs> but that's the purpose of it. Amen? Amen. What happens when you're afraid? Just say, I'm going to go to Isaiah 41.10. He said, when I'm afraid, because we all get a little afraid, don't we? Amen. When the demon of fear comes and leans on you, and he tries to give you every reason to be afraid, 
Yes, you did this, you dummy. You caught yourself in this fix and you messed yourself up. Yes, you deserve to be here when you are afraid. Go to Isaiah 41.10 and read it out loud and say, fear thou not. Just those three words, because they're not your words. They're the Father's words. And the Father says, give life to those words, because my, my child is afraid. He said, fear thou not. Why? For I am with thee. Not him. I am with thee. He said, be not dismayed. Don't get confused, because I am who? Thy God. He said, I will strengthen thee when you're feeling weak. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, what? I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So even though you're wicked and evil, even though you didn't do what I asked you to do, it's not your righteousness that's holding you up in the first place. It's mine. And you can say amen and hallelujah. Think about that. He said, man, don't fear, fear that not. I got you. Tell the devil that. Tell, tell, see, we, we think it's a feeling. I feel bad. People be in their feelings. You're just playing with this, the satanic agencies is what you're doing. Is that hard enough, Sister Charles? Okay. All right, I just want to make sure we've got that clear. When you're in your feelings, you're playing on enchanted ground. This is how you get off that enchanted ground. You say, devil, it is written. He's with me. I will, he said, I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. So all of that you talking about, he said, I will uphold thee with the right hand of his righteousness. So, amen. And you go, and you say, okay, I'm going to Psalm 56. If you don't like that devil, I'm going to Psalm 56. Let's go to Psalm 56. David was singing this song. David had every reason to be afraid because David always messed up. <laughs> David always found himself in a, in what, a, quite a, quite a uh, predicament. And his fear was this. He said, man, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He said, because I know that was, that's, that's the issue here, that the Spirit is not with me because I chose it not to be here. And, he, he, and I get afraid, but, but verse 50, I mean, chapter 56 of Psalm and starting in verse 3. He said, what time I am afraid, I will do what? You need to say that to yourself. You need to convince yourself of that. You need to start speaking that to yourself every day. I will trust thee, Lord. In God, I will praise his word, his word. See, that's what Sister Shaw was saying. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Say that aloud when you're going against principalities and powers, when you're going against, you know, the things in your, in your, in your workplace and, and, and you're worried about the insurance companies and you're worried about these. He said, I will not fear what, what flesh can do unto me. Say it out loud if you have to. I suggest you do that. When you're walking into a, a meeting and they're going to fire you, you think. You think they're going to give you the blues. Say, I will not fear what flesh can do unto me, because it is written. Amen? Amen? When you're lonely, some people get lonely, don't they? Because they don't, they don't see the chariots of uh, fire around them. They don't see the innumerable company of angels that surround them every day. Those of heaven who are reaching down saying, I'm here for you. He said, remember, the angels will come. Sometimes we get lonely, and all you have to do is go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. You know, I'm going to find something. God's going to give me something to make people happy, to make people smile, to make people be joyous. Y'all look like y'all in a school at Harvard. Yes, Simon. This is a praise report. Amen. Therefore, we should be in praise mode. Now, I'm not talking about running up down the aisle and cutting chicken heads off. I'm not talking about that. But uplift. We should be uplifted. Amen? Amen. When you're lonely, go to Hebrews 13.5. It's so funny. Because we sometimes feel like we're by ourselves. Especially on the, on the mission field. Sometimes in our families. Sometimes in our circle of influence. We feel like we're by ourselves because no one else is on the same page or we wonder if we're on the page that we're supposed to be on. And, and, and he said in verse 5 of 13 of Hebrews, let your conversation be without covetousness. 
Don't worry. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will what? Never leave you. So it doesn't matter. I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. So I know when you feel by yourself, you have the great I am who said, I will never leave you. So when you feel by yourself, just say, it is written, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Oh, what great company that is. Is that good company to have? It's better than the company you were, what we said, you were, you were, you were, you had a covet, you, you were covetous. You said, I, I wish I had more friends. He said, look, I need you to be content with what such things you have. Because what you called a friend isn't a friend. That's why I pulled you out of here. I am your friend. I'll never leave you. I'm not stabbing you in the back. I'm not gathering information to spread to the world as I talk to you, pretending like I care. Please remember that. The devil is so slick. That's why you say it is written. Amen? Everybody who's talking to you, everybody who's extracting information from you is not your friend. They're just gathering. So as soon as you leave, as soon as they leave, girl, let me tell you. And we get crushed like that because we open up our hearts to people because we really believe and we want, to, we want people to, to, to love us as we love them. We want to trust like we trust. And oftentimes, that's not the case. So when you feel alone and you feel like you don't have anybody, say, it is written, Christ said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen? Amen? When you're discouraged, this happens a lot in the church, when you're discouraged that you let God down. I don't know about you, but that happens to me all the time. Because I look and I say, oh, that's the mark. I can't reach it. Matter of fact, I'm further away some days than I was the day before. And you, you feel that you let him down. And that because we let him down, he doesn't love us. Simply go to Romans chapter 8. Because you'll find yourself like that. Just like David. David, David had come so close to God that when he was away from God, then, then it, he, he, he said, I let you down, Lord. And you, you, you don't take your spirit from me. Lord, you, you punish me. I know you, you, you need to because I have not been worthy. In verse 38 of Romans chapter 8, Say it is written, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Now does that cover just about everything? <laughs> Shall be able to what? Separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when Satan comes to say, you've been too wicked to have a relationship with him. He has forsaken you. He has forgotten you because of your actions. And you sit there saying, yes, my actions were horrible. Do you know who really knows their actions are horrible? Those who have walked closest to God. Because God has shown you what he, he is. And you see who you are. And sometimes you like, Lord, you try to get a blanket, cover your head. Lord, I, I, what's the centurion say? I'm not even worthy of you coming in my house. But he said, I want you to know there's nothing that's going to separate me from you. My love is so strong, it doesn't matter what you do. I will always love you. They had a song like that about some wickedness. But God says, I will always love you. Even the second death, I will always love you. And that's what's so incredible about it. The second death is an act of love. I know that's kind of hard to think about right now. God says, I can't have you living et eternally like this. It would be horrible. It's grace and mercy. He said, but nothing is going to separate you. So anytime you say, Lord, forgive me, he said, I am just to forgive you. I'm waiting on you to, uh, to be forgiven. I want you to understand who I am, and I am nothing but love. This is the wonderful nature of God. So when Satan comes and leans upon you and tells you, uh, uh, Adana, you're just a terrible soul and you'll never get it right, you say, nothing can separate me. Say it out loud, too. Amen? Amen. 
When you feel helpless? Because sometimes you say, I can't do it, Lord. I can't get it together. I don't know how to do it. Anybody ever said that? I, I want to do right. I just can't do it. I just tried. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't throw all the meat out the freezer. Uh, Lord, I, I, I took all my, my hot pants and, and <laughs> hot pants. Oh, my. <laughs> Flashback. I took all of my mini skirts, all of my, my, my tight fitting clothes. I, did, I took all of my, my, my wicked, uh, everything I got. I put it all away, but Lord, I can't help it. I, I'm still wicked. I don't know how to do it. I keep going back. I keep, I'm the dog that goes back to his vomit. Lord, help me. I don't know. And the devil says, see, you can't do it. Isn't that what he preaches throughout the world? You can't keep the law of God. Man, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you tried, didn't you? Uh-huh, you got real close, didn't you? But look at you, in the gutter again. It's like a man who, who has been a, a, an addict on whatever drug that, of your choice. Any, anybody an addict in the room? We got sugar addicts. We got alcohol addicts. We got marijuana addicts. We got uh, television addicts. We got uh, uh, women addicts addicts. We got all kind of addicts, don't we? But when you, you get to a point where you're, you're, you're broke down and you're on your knees and you're crying because you're helpless and you don't know what's going to happen. You, so you realize this, that in of you, you can't do anything. All addicts come to that who God is touching. God said, go to Ezekiel 36 when you get like that. So when you, when you can't seem to do the will of God, when you can't seem to do right, Go to Ezekiel 36 and say, it is written. Stay with us just for a moment. We're going to close in just a second. What we're trying to do is use the sword of the Spirit. It works, does it not? Yes. So you got to convince yourself that it works first. See, you can go say the right thing, but if you don't believe it, it doesn't activate the Spirit. You'll be like, nope, doesn't work because you didn't believe it. You got to stand like David stood. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who, who defies the armies of the living God? You got to be that kind of bold because David was bold because he believed. He looked up, who? Really? And it wasn't a braggadocious statement. It was a belief statement. He said, and it, remember we, we were talking, I, don't, I can't, these studies are just running each other. We, we, he said, not only am I going to defeat you, I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed your body to the, to, the, to, the, to the fowls of the air. And I'm going to take this head and say, look, this is the one who defiled the armies of the living God. Do we have that kind of belief yet? Oh, we're going to have it though. See, this is the promise of God. We are going to have that belief. Can we say amen to that? Can we look forward to it? We got a little inkling of it now because you're bold enough to be in this room today. It takes a little boldness to come in this crazy place. Folks look at you and say, what? Really? First of all, Sabbath? <laughs> Second of all, what? Study? Bleed a word? What? It's still, the law still what? Applies to me? See, it takes a little bold to do that. Oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Y'all going to be a mess in a minute. Let's go to Ezekiel 36 because y'all going to say, I stand for the living God. Because it is written. Amen? Ezekiel chapter 36. Let's read, starting at verse 23. Ezekiel 36. We're going to start at verse 23. It says, and I will sanctify my great name. Now, God is talking here. Now, watch what he said. He said, I will sanctify my great name. So, now you can relax a little bit. It's not up to you to sanctify anything. You just have to be sanctified. You see the point, the difference in that? He said, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. So, okay, now, I, God saying, I know what you've done. You have profaned my name. But he said, my name will be glorified. You have profaned my name among the heathen. Now, how do we profane his name among the heathen? We claim him and don't do him. That's how you do that. 
Remember Moses was, was, was talking to God. He said, Lord, if you, if you take these folks out, how the heathen going to think you're not God? Because all the people been saying, our God is God. We're going to march here. We're going to do this. You know, we sing a song. We're marching to Zion. Oh, we all proud and boastful until it's time to do something. He said, you have profaned my name among the heathen. But that's all right. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, say of the Lord God. When I shall be what? Sanctified in you before their eyes. Notice you didn't sanctify yourself. Notice his name is on the line. And he said, I'm going to sanctify you so you may do what? Pro proclaim my name as opposed to profaning my name. Verse 24 says, for I will take from you among the heathen and gather you out of all countries. Now look at this. You don't even have to get a U-Haul. He'll get one for you because you're going to move. Amen. You're going to go from heathen to holy because he said, I'm sanctifying you. Amen. Now, that's why I don't move too fast sometimes. I've been trying to leave this city for 42 years. <laughs> and when I got, when my, my wife and I, we met each other in college, uh, we were all, you know, when you're young and in love and you have hope before life hits you in the face, and, 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 and they said, we're getting out of here. We were going to go to Dallas. We, 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 were, we were getting out of here. Didn't work. Didn't happen. And ever since that time, we've been saying, Lord, if you would just deliver us out of Egypt. And we still here. But I read this. He said, I will gather you out. Amen. I'm going to put you where I want you to be. And that's the best place to be is where God wants you to be. Amen. It might not be on your top 10, but if it's his top one, we're okay, aren't we? What did he say here? I'll take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and I will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. How much have you done so far? Nothing. Lynn, you didn't, you didn't grit your teeth. Oh, I ain't going to do this. He said, look, because I love you, because you ask me to, I'm going to do what is impossible for you to do. We all have this great desire to do the will of God. You know, until the will of God gets inconvenient. But we, we do have a, a will to do it, right? He said, don't worry. All you need is that. All you need is that. I will do this. Tell the devil this when he tells you you have failed and you have failed and you have profaned the name of God. You have misrepresented God by your actions. Today you were a terrible person. You used this language. You were awful. When the devil leans on you and starts reading your resume, and it's not a false resume, it is really a great account of your life. And it's a true account, isn't it? Read this out loud to him. He said, I will then... Will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be what? Clean. clean. Amen. <laughs> you shall be clean. Isn't that what we want? Did you clean yourself? You're like a little baby. A baby can't clean. All, all a baby does is mess up and make a mess. He, he or she is just one big mess. He said, but what does mom and dad do? clean them up. All you mothers can say, yeah, you clean them up. And is that, it, it's a messy experience, isn't it? But you clean him up. He said, I'll make you clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, because that's the issue. He said, I'm not fixing that heart. He said, creating me a clean heart. He knew that that heart is desperately wicked. He said, that's the problem. You're trying to serve me with that wicked heart. He said, let me wash you up. He said, then I'm going to do what? I'll give you a clean heart. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Amen? And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Didn't that? Because we, we get frustrated because we can't do God's will. 
We keep messing up. He said, I'm going to put something in you that doesn't mess up. We're back at the spirit again. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And my spirit never messes up. My spirit never doubts me. And that's the spirit we're going to have to have in us if we're going to do the will of God. Amen. Okay, y'all about to fall asleep. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all uncleanliness. So he said, I'm going to save you from going back. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. He said, I'm going to not only save your soul, I'm going to give you your physical needs that you need to. I'm going to, call, I'm going to talk to the corn for you. Now, what's that a metaphor? He said, I'm going to provide for you in an abundance. And guess what? You won't even get sick. You, you know, you're always going to have. Because I always have. Did Christ ever run out? Does the Father ever run out? So he said, when I am in you, how can you run out? Do we have that much faith anyway? You cannot run out when God is present. Because he is plenteous. He has it all. We sit here and think about this congregation and what God did. God was so funny. He said, you're going to leave that building, but you're not going to leave it then. And you're not going to leave it because of that reason. I, okay. You know, I've, I've given up arguing. I just, I'm, I'm just amazed by him. He said, no, you're not leaving because you can't afford it. That's the first lesson. He said, watch this. Afford that. He took you from 2,000 to 500 afford that. He's going to leave. He didn't say you wasn't going to leave. He said you just wasn't going to leave for that reason, and you wasn't going to leave then. Isn't that God? Yes. Then he said, oh, you mean you, they're trying to do that, kick y'all out before I visit? Oh, that ain't going to happen either. <laughs> and guess what he did? He stopped all of that happening too. See, God is so good to us that we just have to believe. He said, man, I'm working on something for y'all. See, God has a place that he wants for us. Now, I told him, I, I said, Lord, if, if, if the place is in Austin, that's great. <laughs> if the place is in Asheville, that's great. Wherever you want me to be, I said, that's wonderful. But if you want me to stay in this city for another 42 years, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. So I don't know where his place is, but I know we're going to be in his place. I don't know where it's going to be. He already told me what we're going to be doing, but I don't know where. He told me this is how I want you to go about it. He said, but I know you're worried because you don't see it. You don't have a place. You, he said, I'm about to do something for you all that is going to convince those who wish to be convinced I'm God. I can't wait for it. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, come on. Because with God, you, you got to kind of kind of go with him. Because he, he's working on somebody else in this project. You ever, don't ever forget that. Your tribulation is tied in to the salvation of others. So hang with the tribulation. Man, we're going through this. Yep, for a reason. It's because there's somebody looking that you don't even know. Well, there's going to be some people coming from behind you that's going to need that testimony. And they're going to say, man, I'm going through this. He said, yeah, but it is written. Let me show you what happened. I said, I'm standing on the other side of the Jordan. You on that far side of the Jordan. That tower that stood. Remember that tower we, uh, Brother Betts brought to us? That tower that was on the other side that kept, kept us looking that direction. He said, I'm on the tower side. You on the other side. Let me tell you how to get across, and God is able to get you across. Well, that was a hard lesson you had to learn, but that lesson was learned for that person on the other side of the Jordan. We're going to have a great time. Amen. I want you all to learn every trial and every tribulation. I want you to say, praise him. Thank you, Lord. You're using me to help somebody else. I'm going to get through this because you promised it is written. I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. I hope, that, I, hope to, I hope this is a sword day today. Everybody sharpening it now? I'm just giving you a few strike moves and fencing. You have this and thrust and well, just a few of them. This book is full of them. Psalm 37. 
and we'll get out of here. Sometimes you, you're tempted to compromise. You know, when things don't go fast enough for you. Well, Lord, I, I put in my application. I don't know why it's taking so long. Yeah. I don't know why. I can't find it. Why didn't call me? God said, you're in my hand. And if I would have let you get that then, it would have been out of my timing. Anybody want to be out of the timing of God? Or out of the will of God? And sometimes what happens is we, caught, we start to compromise and we fall. We always will fall when we compromise. Oh, but there's even a promise in the fall. Psalm 37. We'll start at verse 24. Psalm 37, let's begin in verse 24. Though he fall. I didn't say if he fall. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast out. For the Lord, here it go again, upholdeth him with his hand. Whose hand? Verse 25, I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So when, when things aren't going right and you think things are too close and I don't have this, and I, he said, man, I want you to read this out loud. I know this. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. I have not seen the, his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Amen. Do you see how to use the sword today? Do you see how powerful this sword is? His words are spirit and they are life. And this is what we need more of. We need more spirit and we need more life. And that life is eternal life. And, and if we would just grab on to it. See, that's why we love scripture songs. Hymns are beautiful. And I'm not, because the Bible says in songs and spiritual songs and, 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 and hymns and it's great to sing those. But let me tell you, these scripture songs bring things to your mind that you've forgotten. I know one thing, when I was on an airplane and it was doing dipsy-doos, Isaiah 41.10 was blowing up in my head. <laughs> it wasn't, nearer, O God, to thee. No, no, it was, fear thou not, for I am with thee. God made me see something. I was on a flight to Minneapolis. Harold was on the same flight with us. And uh, it got a little weird. But he allowed me to see something. And I, I, I'm not saying it was, you know, this ain't television. But he allowed me to see an angel holding this plane up. Because I was like, I hate flying. You know why? Control freaks hate to fly. Because <laughs> you are totally out of control. See, and I'm starting thinking about, since we came back from Jamaica, we had to, like, didn't really take off good because somebody forgot to put gas in the plane. <laughs> oh, that helped me a whole lot. <laughs> I'm like, if dude forgot to put gas in the plane, what happened to Leroy who didn't tighten that boat good enough? He said, fear thou not. I'm with you. He said, all the boats of the plane can fall out. I'm with you. If I have to literally set you down upon the ground, I'm with you. That's what you call faith in God. But you better have an ear for God. Now, when you have an ear for God, you won't be where you're not supposed to be. Amen. Trying to bring God into your thing. You know, people, we make plans and they want God to bless it. <laughs> well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start this, I'm going to do this, and then after you did all this thing, God, please put your hand upon my plan. God said, I ain't nowhere near that plan. And you want to pray. Pray now and say, Lord, I, you know, and, and Brother Robert, y'all remember Brother Robert? at the church. Brother Robert would come out with some gems. I mean, he's gone now. He, he's asleep. And, and, but he used to say, I never understood what he talked about. But when he was praying, he said, Lord, forgive us for not coming to you sooner. I'm like, what is that man talking about? But I understand. We don't come to God soon enough. We got to be half dead for call Jesus. Or we lose confidence in our own selves before we call him. Before you start anything, come to him. He might even tell you, that's not, don't do anything over there. 
come over here. See, sometimes we want to drag God into our foolishness and, and want to put the stamp of Jesus on our, on our mess. And he said, I didn't tell you to do that. I have given you a word. I have given you instruction in righteousness. I have given, given you my Holy Spirit. Now, start there before you start. Whatever plan it is, you want to get married, start there. Amen? If you, if you want to stay married, start there. If you, if you want to change the way you live, start there. Don't come up with a plan and then say, Lord, help me. Because you're going to be in some bad shape. Because what's going to happen is you're going to resist the help. The Spirit will say, stop. Well, no, no, I can't stop, Lord. I, I don't want to stop. I, I just want you to help me along. He's going to say, stop. Don't do that. You're going to resist the help, and you're going to fail. We're not going to be like that anymore. What did we learn today? The word is the sword. It's, it's the, the sword of the spirit. And the word is spirit and life. And the word will get that devil off of you. And you, we need to start knowing the word and speaking the word because the word spoken has power. You ever seen people in deliverance services? And they read a scripture and they speak the word and all of a sudden the demons start acting crazy. Jay, that's, a, that's, that's so much. You, that might scare y'all. But you just give the word because it's not you. It's the word. You take the promises of God and you just say, because God says, you know, I gave you power over that. This is how, that's how you use the power. He said, that's the power. I gave you power over Satan, his angels, and his imps. How? This way. This sword. This method. Amen. When, when, if it's not there, you're going to sit out there. And Peter, Peter used to do this, and Paul used to do this. They used to cast out demons, and then people would love to see it. And they, start, they would write down the words that they used. <laughs> you know, the sons of Sceva, they would write down those words and say, Oh, I want this. I can do this. In the name of Jesus, cast you out. And what happened? The demon said, Paul, I know. <laughs> Jesus, I know. I don't know what y'all doing. <laughs> and they got the wrath of those demons. So it has to be different. It's not just the word. It's the spirit in the word. It's the belief in the word. And that's what releases the power. Act upon the, the words of God. Amen? Amen. We're going to make it? We're going we gonna to do this. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to tune us in today. We pray that you've been blessed by the word. If you would like more of these sermons, please check us out on our YouTube page, download our podcast, and like and share us on Facebook and Twitter. May God bless you today and forevermore.